You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Whole Foods has been breached. If you've been to the tap room, look to your credit cards. An illusion gap could help bypass Windows Defender, says CyberArk. Microsoft says don't sweat the small stuff. A Mac firmware issue may be giving users a false sense of security. Equifax is offering a lifetime of free credit freezing, but observers are dubious. A study suggests there are still a lot of improperly secured clouds out there. ISIS and the Taliban resume their inspiration operations online. And alleged NSA leaker reality winner remains in custody, at least for now. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Friday, September 29th, 2017. Whole Foods disclosed that it's been hit with a breach that exposed customer pay card data. This is the second breach of a retailer to come to light this week. The other disclosure earlier this week involved the breach of Sonic's drive-in restaurants. Whole Foods says the breach was limited, affecting only transactions at the tap rooms and sit-down full-service restaurants found in some of their stores. They also stressed that the breach did not affect their new corporate parent, Amazon, which purchased the upscale grocery chain on October 28th of this year. The breach was detected and reported by an unnamed third party. Researchers at security firm CyberArk have found an illusion gap technique that could enable attackers to bypass Windows Defender. The technique essentially creates a pseudo-SMB server that presents a benign file to Windows Defender for inspection instead of the actual malicious payload the attackers are causing to execute on the victim machine. Microsoft says the danger is exaggerated. It's possible it could work, but, says Redmond, you'll have to click through lots of warnings to fall into the illusion gap. CyberArk says that when it reported the problem to Microsoft, Microsoft said that what CyberArk was describing was really a feature request and not a vulnerability, and so they forwarded the information to engineering. Microsoft told the register that, quote, The technique described has limited practical applicability. To be successful, an attacker would first need to convince a user to give manual consent to execute an unknown binary from an untrusted remote location. The user would also need to click through additional warnings in order to grant the attacker administrator privileges. Should the attacker successfully convince a user to carry out the manual steps mentioned, Windows Defender Antivirus and Windows Defender Advanced Threat Protection will detect further actions by the attacker. Quote. Researchers at Duo Security have released results from their inquiry into Mac firmware vulnerabilities. They conclude that a large number of systems, including some running the most recent versions of macOS, are susceptible to exploitation. Evidently, the extensible firmware interface, EFI, in many devices, was not actually installing the security updates users thought they'd applied. Duo notes that firmware exploitation isn't easy and requires a relatively high level of sophistication on the attacker's part, but the vulnerability is nonetheless a serious one. 
Some observers think it likely the problem extends into the Windows and Linux worlds as well. At midweek, Equifax's interim CEO has offered people affected by the company's breach a free lifetime credit freeze, with the ability to lock and unlock at will. A number of observers say that sounds good, but they doubt Equifax will be able to pull it off. New York's Department of Financial Services has subpoenaed the credit bureau as it continues to dig into the incident. If you've wondered at the number of breaches connected with unsecured data exposed in the cloud, Sky High Networks' research has a partial explanation. The company's studies have led it to believe about 7% of AWS S3 servers worldwide are exposed because their users have simply configured them improperly. ISIS and the Taliban have each released new inspirational pieces online as reverses on the ground push the terrorist organizations into cyberspace. The Taliban videos feature, among other things, clips of President Trump calling Afghanistan a complete disaster. The ISIS audio, no video for this one, purports to show the elusive ISIS leader al-Baghdadi repeating his familiar theme that the U.S. is growing weary of the war of attrition his jihadists are waging. Al-Baghdadi, if it's indeed him, so far the audio is unconfirmed and there haven't been reliable sightings of him since November of last year, also praises North Korean nuclear threats and sees nothing but good as having come out of the bloodshed in the cities he enumerates, Mosul, Raqqa, Sirte, Ramadi, and Hama. All of these ISIS has either lost or is in the process of losing. As its physical territory shrinks, ISIS is expected to move its center of gravity to cyberspace. Turkish hacktivist group Aslan Neferler Tim claimed responsibility for Wednesday's takedown of sites belonging to Denmark's Ministry of Immigration and Ministry of Foreign Affairs. The attacks were apparent retaliation for the immigration minister's remarks, praising Kurt Westergaard's famous cartoon depicting the Prophet Muhammad wearing a bomb as a turban. Some Ministry of Information sites remained inaccessible as late as yesterday. Alleged NSA leaker reality winner has petitioned to be released from pre-trial confinement, but federal prosecutors want her to stay put. They quoted a number of the statements she's said to have made to the FBI special agents who arrested her, expressing her hatred of America, prompted by environmental outrage and triggered by her co-workers watching Fox News, and denying she removed the classified material she's alleged to have given to The Intercept while she explained at the same time how she smuggled it out. Her desire for release is said to be connected with her dietary restrictions being unmet in confinement. She keeps both vegan and kosher. The prosecutors call her a flight risk and a highly attractive target for recruitment by foreign intelligence services. Many in and around the U.S. intelligence community have called for a serious overhaul to the security clearance process. Most of the calls for reform have centered on the potential continuous monitoring offers as a better, less expensive, and faster alternative to the current practice of regular reinvestigation. But as recent cases of leaks seem to suggest, the problems may run deeper than any easy technical fix can reach. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. 
Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is David DeFore. He's the Senior Director of Engineering and Cybersecurity at WebRoot. David, welcome back. Um, You know, we talk a lot about machine learning and artificial intelligence. Let's just start with some basics here. Explain to us what's the difference. Um, hey, thanks for having me back, David. And yeah, this is pretty near and dear to my heart. ML is a subset of of artificial intelligence, ML being machine learning, of course. And people do use them interchangeably. And I feel like I've lost that war. So uh, <laughs> around around the office, um, I don't bother. But let's start with AI. AI is the field of trying to build uh, technology so that it acts and behaves Um, like something we know, like a human, or maybe you want to build something that acts like a cat or a dog or something. But but it's it's actually trying to behave in a way that um, mimics uh, behaviors or the semblance of intelligence of some living thing. Those of us who are old enough may remember the old ELISA program. That's exactly right. And then machine learning is in fact a, a subset in the field of AI, but machine learning itself is focusing on building algorithms and models that consume data and analyze that data in a way that it can then learn from that data, make decisions about that data that maybe a human, um, just from a sheer capacity perspective, would not be able to see. So it provides potentially insight into large data sets that uh, a human would not be able to, to do on their own just from the volume. What would be the thing that would make machine learning cross into being pure, true AI? What you would potentially do, your AI unit, let's say it's a robot, is gathering volumes and volumes of data. And the whole AI component is trying to, let's just pretend like you're trying to make it act like a human. Its objective is to act like a human. And so it has all this feature functionality to mimic humans and know you know, how to speak or how to respond. But, but the machine learning component of that would be to build models that take the input, potentially, let's say your question that you would say to the AI unit, the machine model would then analyze that question and try to determine the proper response, hand it back to the AI unit, which would then say that response. I see. So the machine learning is taking care of things under the hood, but the AI is the part that makes you uh, think that you're talking to an intelligent being. That is exactly right. 
Well, interesting stuff as always. David DeFore, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. My guest today is R.P. Eddy. He's co-author, along with former White House National Security Council veteran Richard A. Clark, of the book Warnings, Finding Cassandras to Stop Catastrophes. The book examines those who made dire predictions were largely dismissed, but were later proved right, along with current experts in a variety of fields who are now making consequential predictions yet to be verified or disproven, as well as a framework for determining the likelihood that a modern-day Cassandra deserves a second look. We realized that not only was Dick and and those of us who were working on Al-Qaeda and bin Laden pre-9-11, you know, largely ignored before 9-11, uh, but that there was a whole series of other people in the world that had the same phenomena happen to them. And it turns out in Greek mythology, there's a character named Cassandra who suffered the similar fate where she predicted disasters. And uh, in, in this instance, she foretold the fall of Troy, her hometown, and no one believed her. She saw it perfectly and no one believed her. And, um, of course, the city burned to the ground and she got to watch that happen. And and that frustration and that that kind of curse, the curse of Cassandra, became something that was a little fascinating to us. So we weren't sure if these different Cassandras had anything in common, because as I said, discovering the fact there are Cassandras, I guess, is noteworthy. But if I can't help you find the next Cassandra, the next accurate predictor of doom, I'm not doing my job. So we didn't have a clue if they had things in common. So Dick and I split chapters. He would talk to one Cassandra. I would talk to the other. And we found not only did they just seem to have a lot in common, but when we looked at the transcript and listened to the words, Every single one of the proven Cassandras used two sentences, two identical sentences, almost word for word, even if it was in Japanese. One was, when I discovered this data, I wanted to be wrong. So I went to my colleagues and said, please show me that this isn't correct. Hmm. So that was the first thing. All these guys are data driven and they didn't want this to happen. Right. And they went to verify their data with others. And in every instance, the other stock analysts, the other seismologists, the other experts on climate said, you're right. Then the second 
question or the second thing they all said was, okay, so then when I took my data and brought it to the decision makers, I kept saying to the decision makers, why are you ignoring your own data? This is publicly available data. I'm not making this up. It's not proprietary. So we knew right away there was going to be a lot of correlation between these Cassandras. And as we dug in deeper and deeper and spent time with these amazing people, we realized it's not just about the characteristics of each one of those warners. It's also about what are they warning about? Who's the decision maker and what are the critics saying? And so we came up with 24 different characteristics that describe when you basically need to ask the next question, when you need to dig deeper, when you shouldn't kick that person out of your office, when you should take their warning more seriously. And I'll give you a couple that are interesting. We won't do 24, of course. <laughs> but one that's fascinating is called the initial occurrence syndrome, we call it. And effectively what we're saying there is a lot of these disasters were ignored by decision makers because they'd never happened before. Nothing like that ever happened before. A tsunami never breached a seawall and caused a near nuclear meltdown. The chairman of NASDAQ never ran a $65 billion Ponzi scheme, etc. An Arab country never invaded another Arab country and then Saddam invades Kuwait. So all these things, everything we talk about hadn't happened before. And it's very hard for decision makers to believe that something will happen that hadn't happened before. So one thing is initial occurrence syndrome. How do you deal with the issue of, of hindsight being 2020? That it's, you know, it, it's easy to spot your Cassandras in the rearview mirror. How, how do you keep from cherry picking your Cassandras, particularly, you know, in the past? So, David, you are the first person to ask me that question, and it is the obvious criticism of this book, and no one has made it yet. So congratulations. So <laughs> well, thank you very hind, much. <laughs> hindsight bias, hindsight bias is a real bias. Right. And, and we talk a lot about biases in these books, and I've just been waiting for someone to say, ah, the whole book's hindsight bias. It's, a, it's an easy criticism. Thankfully, it's not right. If we go back and look at the seven people we picked as Cassandras, and there's some we didn't pick for this reason, we believe that they had a series of characteristics that at least going forward, if we pay attention to these characteristics, we'll know we shouldn't ignore them. They are proven technical experts. They are data-driven. They think differently. They are questioners. They're asking hard, hard questions. They have a sense of personal responsibility. It really matters to them that the message get out there. And finally, all of our Cassanders had this sense of high anxiety. They were going crazy that they weren't being listened to. So we think those characteristics mean that the folks that we said should have been listened to, in the future, you'll be able to see them a little more easily. For those of us who are in cybersecurity, I'm thinking of, of that executive sitting in their office or that person sitting on the board. Um, what's your advice to them for how to best handle when people come to them with these sorts of predictions? I think a really important thing for any leader or any person or any spouse or any parent or any coach or you know anyone who's really interacting with other people and trying to have influence is first this really this understanding that your intuition is going to fool you time in time again because you're so bias driven, right? We are bias driven animals because 70,000 years ago or 140,000 years ago, depending on how you want to count the beginning of the current homo sapien brain, biases were actually useful and helped you, helped you survive. Certainly heuristics did. They don't anymore. So number one, you're going to make mistakes. Number two, realize it's very, very hard to get away from your intuition and bias. Number three, getting more to the book, when that person walks in the door and starts telling you you have a real problem, 
ask the next question. It's something we've been teaching in the counterterrorism world for years. Ask the next question. Don't respond from your heart. Respond from your brain and, um, and, and, and dig a little deeper. And then you start getting in, in this book and the conclusion, we talk about what do you do? You don't have to say, all right, you're right. We're going to change the whole mission of the company and spend billions of dollars on this. You can begin to increase the surveillance on the risk as long as you're specific about what you're looking for, and begin hedging. Our thanks to R.P. Eddy for joining us. He is co-author, along with Richard A. Clark, of the book Warnings, Finding Cassandras to Stop Catastrophes. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now.